Okay. Well, welcome to our final event of this year's Graphic Novel Symposium, which has gone great. Hopefully you've taken some time to see your comic shops and our creators out outside the library. Um, today we're going to talk about Dungeons and & Dragons and this epic pop culture kind of phenomenon that has had its ups and downs. We're going to hear, I think, a little history, how the game works, how to play. So this is uh, Jason King, who's one of our math faculty members and our resident D&D master it's Experts. okay to call me a dungeon master. Be the dungeon okay. master. All right, done. So thank, <laughs> thank you for doing this. Thank you for your time, and thank you for everybody for coming. And I want to say thank you to Espresso Love, our coffee shop, who um, has sponsored our symposium this year. They are excellent. So, okay, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Welcome, Troy. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Dungeons and Dragons. You are a female barbarian. What's going to be the name of our female barbarian? Somebody give me a name. Could be Thundera. Could be... Ikora. Ikora. All right. Ikora the Barbarian. Ikora the Barbarian is in a cavern somewhere underground. There's a pungent stench of mildew, and the only sound that she can hear are the drips of water coming from the moldy ceiling. What was it, Elora? Ikora? Ikora finds a door. After a quick perusal of the door, she has to get it open somehow. How's she going to do it? Ikora looks for a key, but she can't find one anywhere. She looks through her pockets, no key. She searches in the, the floor. Maybe somebody dropped one in the dust. No key there either. She's going to smash it open. Interesting. So what she's going to do is who's going to play Cora is going to roll the dice. Got a 16. That's a pretty good roll. Success. The door opens up, and behind the door, the vile necromancer she has come to slay. We have another character. He kind of looks like Nick Fury, so if nobody else gives him a new name, I'll call him Fury. Fury the Wizard. He's a battle mage, this one. Fury the wizard has to get snuck into the town. Between him and the town's gate is a sleeping guard. There are a number of different ways that Fury could approach this problem. Maybe Fury could just walk by and hope that the guard doesn't notice them. Maybe Fury could cast a spell to make sure that they stay asleep. Fury might have a little bit of an evil streak, and I mean, he might even do something like attack the guard while he's asleep, getting combat advantage. What do you think? How's Fury going to get into this town? What approach are we going to take? Sneak through. Sneak through. So Fury is a battle mage, right? Is this battle mage probably going to be very good at stealth? Nope. Maybe. You never know, though. You take the right perks. You, you create your character the right way. They could be extra sneaky. This time, though, oh, no! We rolled a 1 on a 20-sided die. This is the kiss of death. The guard awakens and summons the extra guard members to battle. Now Fury's in a rut. Here's another character. This is a warforged warrior. So this is kind of a robotic character. You can have robots in a fantasy world, right? No problem. The character is walking around. Just walking around. All of a sudden, oh no! It's a goblin, appears out of nowhere, ambushing, who's our, 
What kind of a name should this character have, this Warforged? What are we thinking? Tesseract. Tesseract? I wonder where I've heard that before. So Tesseract, the Warforged warrior, finds a goblin. How are they going to deal with this issue? Fight it. You got to fight it? Do they have to fight it? No. No, but they got a big frickin' sword in their hands, so might not be a bad approach. So what are we going to roll? We roll a natural 20, and all of a sudden we discover that it was a critical hit. Despite being ambushed, Tesseract was fine and slayed the goblin without any kind of problems. This is basically the nuts and bolts of what playing a role-playing game is like. Role-playing games are kind of like playing cops and robbers, cowboys and well, Native Americans, I guess. I don't know. We have to have rules to decide what happens. If you say, bang, you're dead, and the other person says, no, I'm not. I'm wearing an invisible shield. Who decides what happens? This is kind of the way that a role-playing game works. There are a couple of different varieties of role-playing games, but most of them involve players, which we'll call PCs, short for player characters, and a dungeon master, usually referred to as a DM. In games that are like Dungeons & Dragons, but that are not Dungeons & Dragons, these games have different names for them. Players are usually PCs, but the person that runs the game might be called a storyteller, or a game master, or a chronicler. Any different variety of games will have all sorts of different names. Most times that these games work, the player controls one character among many in a party. Parties can be two, three, four, five, I've seen a dozen different ones. You can have even more. What happens is the DM describes events as they occur. Players decide how they will react to these events. And if we need to make a decision on who's going to take control over what event, then we have dice that normally decide that along with the player's stats. Whoops. So who plays these? Turns out a lot of people do, right? Um, Stephen King plays them, Vin Diesel plays them, Joe Manganiello plays them, Stephen Colbert plays them. Probably average people like you and maybe me do too, right? So lots and lots of people do. There are usually groups in just about every even medium-sized city, even every small city. Big cities are going to have them all over the place, running pretty frequently. If there's not a game of Dungeons & Dragons, there's games that are very similar to these. How is it different than other board games? One critical difference from Dungeons & Dragons versus most board games is most board games have a winner. Dungeons & Dragons really does not have a winner. I know that my boss often says that he won a D&D game for a while, but, well, we could get into that. You don't really win a game. It's like a story. Who wins the story of The Hobbit? Well, I guess Frodo Baggins does technically, but aside from that, you don't usually win a story. Stories are things that are told the goal is to have a memorable event and to have some fun and to hopefully have your character not get killed during the process. There are a couple of different varieties of games like this. Most of these, and Dungeons & Dragons, is typically played as a tabletop game. When I say a tabletop game, a table like this, a couple of people sit around it, a dungeon master normally sits right about here, we roll some dice, we have character sheets that decide what occurs and in what order, and we go from there. But not every game is like that. Live action role playing is something that a lot of people like too, sometimes called LARPing or LARPers. 
that can be anywhere from a couple of people show up and talk and have usually different methods of deciding what occurs. Rock, paper, scissors as opposed to rolling dice. But you can see people that are in the LARP community dressing up, bringing foam swords, getting pretty, pretty detailed into their hobby. There's board game hybrids, games that are kind of, sort of like a role-playing game, but kind of not. Um, Battle Stations is one. There's a couple of other ones like this. Dan, can you think of any that are kind of? I am blanking right now as well. I'm going to come to one probably as soon as we stop the talk, but if I think of one, I'll just immediately blurt it out. And then um, Descent is like one. So there's another one like that. What do you ultimately need to play? If you're interested in playing, right after this, we're going to have a presentation over yonder. We'll go take a walk, and I'll show you how to play. I got character sheets made for everybody, so you don't have to make them. Basically, what you need is you need a character sheet. You can either build your own character, or if you want to, if that's going to take most of the event, then we could have them pre-generated. You're probably going to need some dice. If you're used to just seeing dice in like a casino, that's the six-sided die. We have 20-sided die, 12-sided die, four-sided die that kind of look like pyramids that if you step on it, you would hurt yourself. All sorts of different dice. And usually pencils and some paper. Sometimes people prefer miniatures. I'm a, a person that does prefer miniatures, so I will normally play with those miniatures, but you don't have to. How a game goes usually from start to finish. Um, Games normally last for at least two hours at the minimum. When I was younger, we used to play for 10, 12 hours at a time. I think on Stranger Things, they tend to play for way longer than just two hours. It depends on what your schedule is like. A um, couple of friends get together. You got to bring Cheetos and Mountain Dew. Those are usually the, the things you need, but if you're healthy, maybe you could get something else. You create a character, you decide who's going to be the dungeon master. The dungeon master is going to be the one that sets the world and creates the story for the players to interact in. If you're really interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons or affiliated sorts of games, Vampire the Masquerade, um, Shadowrun, there's dozens, hundreds, probably thousands of different types of games. Where can you get into one? I would strongly suggest that if you really want to play a game, I like reading books. It's good to know how to read. This is a very important thing to help you. But at the same time, it seems like most people that play Dungeons and Dragons, I know it's a crazy statement, like it's reading. Reading is good, right? But most people that learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons don't learn it by picking up a book and reading through the rules. Normally they get kind of inducted into a group and they start playing from there. If you're interested, I have a couple of places around where you can go in and just talk to somebody behind the counter and say, I'm looking to get into a Dungeons & Dragons game. How can I do this? Fair Game in Downers Grove is a fantastic store. The Wandering Dragon in Plainfield is also one that's really good. Games Plus, if there was one store in the Chicagoland area that's probably the best for this, it's probably Games Plus. But we're in Payless Hills. That's a long drive, so you need to decide whether or not you want to drive an hour plus out there. The Gaming Goat in Tinley Park, I think right now they're, they're closed for a couple of weeks, but they're going to reopen from what I understand. Amazing Fantasy is a couple of different locations. And you could also go to conventions. Gen Con has a bunch of stuff. That's in Indianapolis. Normally in July, August is typically when theirs is. Origins is 
usually around the same time as in Columbus. Gary Khan, that's one in Lake Geneva. That's the original creator of Dungeons & Dragons named Gary Gygax. It's a convention in his honor. C2E2 probably has some. Wizard World has some. Any one of these places, if you go to any sort of a dealer and if you say, I want to know how to play Dungeons & Dragons and I want to find a group that will help me, can you help me find one? you got a really good chance that that's probably going to happen. And if not, if you can't find any, my email is on the very last slide. This talk to me. I'll help you find a group. So we'll get good things going on. How did these games get their start? Um, this could be a presentation in and of itself, definitely. Kind of before Dungeons and Dragons took their place in the 1970s, wargaming was kind of a big niche community. That is, people playing with really small lead pewter miniatures deciding who would win a Napoleonic battle at a given time. Eventually what happened is individual organizations, Gary Gygax was a big one, Dave Arneson was another one, decided what if we were going to have just individual people playing in a fantasy setting that we created. They set up some rules. They decided that they were going to go with high fantasy, that is fantasy involving magic and wizards and monsters and things like that and they built a game from there. In the 70s, it got kind of popular. In the early 80s, there were some questions as far as whether or not occult practices were being in introduced into the game, Satanism in particular. I played this game for 20-some years, and I will say I have never had a devil appear anywhere in any one of my games, and for the most part, I think it was just a misunderstanding. So from there, the game waned in popularity for a little bit, but it seems like the advent in the last couple of years with Stranger Things, with nerd culture being a popular thing, tabletop games are becoming more popular again. And I think since now you can play via Skype, even some people play via email or, or via webcam, there are a lot more options than there used to be. That's pretty much all I have. Um, I wanted to devote the remainder of the time after our talk. If you have any questions, I'd be more than happy to answer them. We have a gaming. I set up a game of Dungeons & Dragons itself over there. You can give it a try. I can run you through the ropes and see how you like it, if it's of any interest to you. Does anybody have any questions before, before we do that? Uh, let's... The one in the blue shirt. You mentioned, you kind of talked about this earlier, the kind of cultural impact. Have you seen aspects of Dungeons and Dragons pop up in other games, like the console games and things like that? The question was, can I mention how the cultural impact of Dungeons and Dragons has affected other aspects of games? I think one of the ideas that I've seen it the most is the idea of creating a character where most games now, if they're any sort of any degree of complexity at all, you typically create characters, you make them look nice, you give them statistics, and then they level up with experience points. The idea of experience points, of leveling up, of building up a character, of buying equipment and armor to help improve them over time, that's something that was very much from Dungeons & Dragons originally. The idea of even saying a, a high fantasy setting that a lot of games take place in now, where there's magic and dragons and wizards and monsters, Certainly, Dungeons & Dragons did not create this. In a lot of ways, they kind of took their ideas from Tolkien's world. But I don't know if it would be as ubiquitous as it is now without that sort of a setting. 
I think that even a lot of shows now, um, Community had a couple of Dungeons and Dragons themed shows. And a lot of times, even if you listen to a couple of comedians or celebrities talk, if you listen to how they talk, you can occasionally hear them throw in little things like, oh, you must play D&D or something like that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So there are, it would be difficult to talk about how popular fantasy world settings and even sci-fi world settings have gotten without Dungeons and Dragons existing, I think. 